Whether you're craving some authentic pad thai in Bangkok, want to check out the food scene in London, or want to speak and eat like a Viking, food is a great motivator to travel. When who doesn't want to speak and eat like a Viking? Yay! You certainly get served first. Which is why this episode of A Fork on the Road is sponsored by World Nomads, the global travel lifestyle and insurance brand for independent adventure travelers. You know, what do Vikings eat? Are there even Vikings still around? Actual Vikings? I think I've met some. <laughs> Their ancestors lived on Iceland. So, you know, they ate whale, fermented shark, and sheephead. Which is probably why there are no Vikings left. Sheephead. Eat sheephead long enough, you die. Ew, is that true? Mm-hmm. Learn more about Iceland by tuning into the World Nomads podcast. Hear about great destinations and the amazing nomads who continue to explore those places, bringing us their personal stories of the people they meet, the places they've seen, and the food they've tasted. And you know what? Yeah, back in the day, they called people like that nomads. They would travel from place to place. There are still nomads today, except they do it in Airbnbs and hotels. Certain people just have travel in their genes. You know, the people that listen to our show love to travel. Yeah, and I'm sure there's nomads that also camp. Yeah. Or stay in an igloo. Sure, why not? Or, I don't know, middle of Siberia. I have no idea. Travel brings fun and adventure and uh, sheep's head soup. The World Nomads Podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, or go to worldnomads.com slash podcasts. I'm going to go there right now. No, we got to finish the show. Life is an adventure, but just because I love road tripping doesn't mean I have to miss out on college football. Enter the Dish Tailgater Pro portable satellite antenna, which lets me watch live news, sports, and entertainment in HD anywhere in the continental United States. Talking to strange people. That's what you love best. Yes. <laughs> which is why I married you. <laughs> so whether you fish, hunt, RV, or tailgate, or maybe even road trip around talking to strange people. You say road trip like you love it. You've never been on a road trip more than oh four hours. Gosh. I'm outing you. <laughs> but you love it, so that's what matters. It's TV as flexible as your travel plans. Uh-huh. Visit dishoutdoors.com for more. And stay tuned for a very special offer coming up. On the road, I'm Mark DiCarlo, and next to me is the lovely and talented traveling diva, Yenny Alvarez. Hi there. What a great show we have for you today. I know you're excited. I'm very excited. We've been doing this show for five years, and the interview that we have for you today, I gotta say, is my favorite. Uh, he's one of my musical heroes. Three-time Grammy Award-winning Delbert McClinton is on the show today, and... And you love him. I, You know it because he is a great writer. Bob Dylan calls him a great writer. John <laughs> Prine calls him a great writer. He's been in show business over 50 years. He's got three Grammy Awards. In this interview, he talks about his musical influences, growing up, seeing UFOs. That's my favorite part, I have to say. I know you love the music part, but the, you know, somebody like 
somebody that has three Grammys that talks about, openly talks about seeing UFOs, I'm all about that. Well, he's such an introspective, clever, funny guy who just really enjoys life. He is hilarious. Uh, he, you guys are going to love this interview. You know what Delbert's doing? What? He's enjoying the adventure of consciousness. That's a song right there. Huh. I mean, he said it. I didn't say it. Because <laughs> if I had said it, it would, already, it would already be a song. Not a good one. Not the good ones like Delbert. He travels all around the country all the time playing music, rock and roll, country, blues, whatever you want to call it. And right now, he's our very special guest on this episode of Fork on the Road. It's Delbert McClinton. I keep on knocking at your door, but you won't let me in. I'll be back tomorrow night, I'm knocking again. I got the blues about you, baby. I got the blues about you, baby. Well, I'm a fool for you, I ain't got nothing to lose. I got the blues about you, baby. Musicians and comedians who travel for a living about places they look forward to going, delicious places they look forward to eating, and all the strange people they meet on the road. Here at Fork on the Road, we believe that no one knows more about our country than the entertainers who crisscross it, entertaining us while being entertained by us. And today, we're talking to Delbert McClinton. Started out in 1962 as a band leader in Texas for guys like Bo Diddley. Then he popped over to England to headline shows that the Beatles opened for him. And soon he's going to be heading back out to sea for his 25th annual Sandy Beaches Tour. It's a career that earned him three Grammy Awards, 19 albums, and a legion of devoted fans of American music. There's only two kinds of people in this world, people who love Delbert and those that ain't heard him yet. He brought the packed house down this spring, headlining Saturday at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. And just like a good wine or a great old story, he just keeps getting better. Delbert McClinton, welcome to A Fork on the Road. Wow, thanks for that intro. I need you to wake me up every day. You are a, a, an amazing trove of fun about the world. So basically, we're taking a tour of how you've digested your life into the catalog of your music. How's that sound? That sounds overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start back in the early days. Do you remember your first, first paid road gig? I worked with Jimmy Reed a lot. Uh, I worked with Sonny Boy Williamson. I worked with Bo Diddley. I worked with B.B. Uh, King, uh, Freddie King, Albert King. This is back in the early 60s. Was it unusual for a white guy to be in their band, especially in Texas? Well, no, you know, you got to put this all in context for it to make any sense. And okay. that was that was during segregation. Right. Which is 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 shocking to me every time I think about that 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 we had segregation at that point in our evolved history. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The black guys that we played with, we'd pick them up and drop them off at black hotels. Right. I mean, that's, that's so bizarre. And what but, were the audiences uh, like? Were the audiences segregated? Uh, were they black? Were they white? What, I would think in Texas, it, it would be a kind of a charged atmosphere. You know, that's a good question because... Um, we played both places. We played white clubs and we played black clubs. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was always a bit of a racial mix, especially with the musicians, because the people were there to hear them. Right. But uh, the behind the scenes, you know, when the show was over, then you could see the, the racially charged uh, uh, 
life we were living uh, when you left the club and anywhere you went, you know, you can come in, but you can't. It was, I hate to say the norm, but it pretty much was for a lot of people, most people. I've read a lot about Frank Sinatra and talking about you know, bringing Sammy Davis to Vegas. And when they were there, Sammy would have to go sleep on the bad side of town. Well, Frank was at the Sands or or the Dunes. Well, I think he finally corrected that. If Sammy's not in, I'm not in. Which I thought was uh, was a beautiful thing, you know? Right. I think in a lot of ways, music was an important part of the transformation of American life into, into being less well, segregated. Well, it was. Right? But, you know, money was, too. Frank Sinatra couldn't have done that unless he could afford it. Right. So, you know, you got to figure that in, you know. Uh, you got to figure money into everything. Money is, is the source of it all. <laughs> Good, the bad, and the ugly, you know? It's money. Bottom line is the money. Take a look at the world we're in today. Is it about uh, honesty and uh, real people? No, it's a bunch of assholes. Well, this that's a whole other story. Let me let me get off of that. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Having a 50-plus year career in music is is incredibly rare. Do, do you remember back you know, when you were starting out, is there a moment that crystallized in your head where you said to yourself, damn, I'm not going to have to get a real job. I'm going to be a working musician forever. You know, I've never, ever had that feeling. I'm I'm scared every day (laughs) that I'm going to have to get a job. (laughs) That's just in there. It's, It's in there because I grew up in a time where... I didn't graduate high school. I like a half a credit in English. And I remember my dad telling me once they, that he worried to death. He and my mom both worried about me. But he told me, he said, son, if you don't get that high school education, you ain't going to mount to a hill of beans. And in that vernacular, I understood what he was saying. But I didn't believe him because I couldn't believe him. I was programmed with this from the day I was born. Couldn't anything change it, you know? For me to to try to resist what I've done would be as futile as a tear in a glass eye. <laughs> Where'd you learn to write like that? You don't even have a high school education. Did you learn well, from you know, the people you, you were playing you with? Now, let's go back. You don't even have a high school education. I haven't needed trigonometry. <laughs> In my career, in the music business, all you got to be able to do is count to four (laughs) and then work with it. Where do you think your ability as a writer comes from? Because you have such insightful lyrics. Bob Dylan talks about you. John Prine talks about you as a writer. Clever, heartwarming. You killed it at the Jazz Fest uh, this spring. I'm I'm starting a rumor about you and me. People were crying in the aisles. Where does that come from? (laughs) That's good. Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, I wrote poetry before I wrote songs. To get girls? No, just because I had to. Hmm. It, it was coming out, you know, and it still does. It just comes out. It's it's there, and 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 uh, once I say it verbally and write it down, well, then it's there forever. It's just always been there with me. I never made a choice to to go and do this. Uh, events in my life certainly made it more vivid. I was in junior high school, and we live in Fort Worth, Texas, in a in a shotgun duplex. 
and I came home from school one day and opened the front door and I heard somebody singing a Hank Williams song in my house and playing a guitar. My heart like to jumped out of my chest, went to pounding so. And I went back through the the dining room, which was a bedroom, because there were three boys, and back into the kitchen. And this guy is sitting down in that doorway with his feet up on one side, leaning back on the other guy. He has a hard hat on. He, he He's an oil field worker. Mm-hmm. His name is Ray Harden. And he was singing a Hank Williams song, and little Martin guitar had a hole in it about the size of a fist, which I learned later that he was showed me he was drunk and stepped on it. And all of this stuff just set my soul on fire, and and it's still burning. And you think that's the moment you decided that's what you wanted to do? That's the first time I ever heard anybody other than a square dance caller singing a song. You wouldn't think a oil field worker, he's going to be a great musician. Well, I, I don't think Ray ever was a great musician, but he was the guy for me. He was the one that, that opened my eyes and ears to live music. Mm-hmm. People right there in front of you. I mean, I could reach out and touch him on his shoulder. And he was singing and playing a guitar, and it was magic. Yeah. And it still is. It just is, you know. There's something about music that touches people in a way that I don't think any kind of intellectual art form uh, really does. It's uh, guttural almost. Well, it's uh, it's so incredibly natural. Mm-hmm. So many people think that the blues is just a 30-minute guitar masturbation and somebody howling. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, that ain't the blues. That's somebody trying to play the blues. It's just like there are people who can sing, and and they do McDonald's commercials and such, you know? Mm-hmm. And they sing, and they sing melodically. Singers fill in time. A singer uh, transports you. Yeah. Yeah. B.B. King used to talk about the blues, saying it's not always sad. It's just it's It's something different. It's not sad at all. You play the blues to lose the blues. Right. It's just like a preacher. You know, preachers, I don't know whether you're religious or not. It doesn't matter. But preachers, they got to get their nut up there ranting and raving in front of all those people. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're they're certainly having a climax of some kind. Right. They need to shout like that. Right. And and uh, and 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 look look what it does when you shout at people like that. You get Donald Trump. Sadly, that's true. So anyway, you know, it's all we're we're all tied together every which way, but. Uh, you know, in the last 10 years, I've really come to realize that we are, are, are not, uh, <laughs> we are not very well developed as, as a, uh, as a valid living species. Do you think that maybe music in general and yours specifically kind of functions as a counterbalance to all that negativity? I mean, is that your job to try and help? We're leaving tonight at 10 o'clock. Tomorrow night we're playing New York City. Why? Because you got to get you some of that New York City. That's right. But the reason we do this is because we can't help it in the first place. We have to do it. So if you have to do it, you want other people to feel the joy you feel because you just have to do this. It's not a choice. 
It's not a decision you've made. It's something you just simply have to do. You play music. Mm -hmm. And why? You do it. Try to exchange the same pleasure you get on stage to them, to where they can feel as good as you do. And when you've got a shitload of people all feeling good at the same time with big old grins from ear to ear and jumping up and down, that's a good place to be. And I've been there most of my life. I was talking to Buddy Guy a while back. He had just played the Hollywood Bowl. And I asked him, does it ever get boring? Do you ever feel like, man, I got it made, I can coast? And he said to me, "This he's, he's pushing 80. He's got Grammys. He's, he's Buddy Guy, right? And he goes, right. I could look out onto the crowd, and if I see one guy that is not tapping his feet, standing up and jumping around... That's I'm the failing. only one you see. Exactly. I do that. I'll I'll be I'll be singing sometime, and I'll run across somebody that looks like they just lost their best friend. Mm-hmm. And I'll reach up with my left hand and and push my mouth into a smile, and it breaks the ice, and they and they come around, and and it's all good from then on. I saw you do that at the Jazz Fest this spring. You were singing, I think it was, uh, I'm starting a rumor, and you were kind of prowling the front of the stage, and you zeroed in on one woman, a couple people to my left, who was just kind of sitting there. She was on her phone a little bit, and it was like you were instantly the only two people in the room, and by the end of the song, she is standing and swaying, and you kind of walked away like, got me another one. Well, you know, that's just... Uh... I don't want anybody to just look unhappy. Because <laughs> that, uh, that kind of takes away from, from what I'm trying to project. And, and it's important that I project properly in order for me to have a good time. Sure. And if i got to sing to somebody that's looking so down in the mouth that they just may kill themselves at any minute, I've got the duty of trying to turn that around. Otherwise, I'm not getting through. And if I don't get through, I must not be making it happen. And it all it takes is one, one person, or yeah. one bad review. You know, I I've seldom got a bad review, but I've got a couple of them that were scathing, and uh, all of a sudden everything else I'd ever read in a review evaporated. Mm -hmm. And I kind of learned at that point you can't read your own reviews. You know, right? It takes it takes a while because you do that. You know. Uh, and, and, and I still do. I'm not saying I don't, but I don't hunt them down like I used to. I don't react to them like, oh, my God, somebody didn't like it. I react to world of people having a good time. That's what I like. Well, as an artist, I think you have to, especially as a writer, you got to be... You have to remain flexible and open. So, uh, you know, I guess that's the downside of your line of work. Where does most of your material come from? Do you just make it up or is it from people and things that you meet on the road? Well, think about it. I'm 77 years old. I've been doing this since I was 16. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of anxiety, hate, madness, love, not only personally, thousands of people right so you know some of it's biographical and some of it is is something I've witnessed but God all you got to do is open your eyes and there's everything in the world to write about people walk right past life most of them in my opinion right because uh, you don't stop and, and and appreciate it here's a good example last month or so every year at the end of March all of these little ladybug looking things 
they kind of swarm. I guess they're in my attic somewhere, but every year we've lived here, they swarm. And they're everywhere. And uh, I look at them like, why? It, it, it's, it's, it's still freezing outside. Why? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it got to where I would go around in the mornings with a paper cup. I had these guys all over the sink, the mirror, the windows, everywhere. I scoop them up. I put them in this cup. I take them outside, pull them out in my hand, and hold it up and encourage them to fly. And they would. But to what avail? They got no future. <laughs> <laughs> They're born to die immediately. And and the same day, I was stepping out of the shower, and there on the mat was a stink bug. Well, I don't kill bugs anymore. I marvel at them. And uh, and I I picked this guy up and took him outside. At this point in time, I'm pretty much just enjoying the great adventure of consciousness. Wow, I like that. I'm, I marvel at, at anything that's alive, plant, animal, bug. It's almost like I'm on LSD again. Again. Well, I used to do that back in the day, you know, all of that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a man of that time. I did all the psychedelics. I, the main part is I lived through it, and so many didn't. Right. And I, uh, by all means, shouldn't have, but I did. And I know that. And uh, I've got a lot of stories of regret. I've got a lot of stories of wonder. And anybody that lives this long has got a great story. You just got to find somebody to listen to it. I'm going to run down through the terminal and jump over the chain make love to my baby and baggage claim. Summer's winding down, and now it is time for my two biggest passions that come together at the same time of year. Playoff baseball and hockey. Now, most of my life, playoff baseball has not been a concern of mine because I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. But now... It's an yeah. actual thing. We play in October. That's right. And uh, just because I'm out doing stuff, uh, you know, running around, fishing, RVing, it doesn't mean that I have to miss out on my favorite pastime, which is watching playoff baseball and then the beginning of hockey season. So after a long day of fishing or RVing or motorbiking, I can always count on the Dish Tailgater Pro portable satellite antenna to deliver my favorite entertainment. Now, here's why I love this thing. I can watch live news, sports, uh, anything in crystal clear clear HD, even if I'm off the grid, like on a boat or in a tailgate or in the cabin. And the best thing about it is you only pay for the months you use. Right. Dish offers pay-as-you-go programming from $34.99 a month with no contracts or credit checks. You just activate the subscription during hockey season and playoff baseball season. <laughs> and then turn it off when you're done. And you don't even need Wi-Fi. So say goodbye to the constant buffering, searching for spotty Wi-Fi signals and other connectivity issues forever. That sounds great. Yes. It's rugged, it's weatherproof, and weighs just eight pounds, which means you can carry it lightly. Right. You can curl it like a dumbbell or something. You can even <laughs> mount it on top of your RV or boat, and then you just forget about it. And it's really cool to watch, too, uh, the Tailgater Pro. And it's got its cool smoked dome cover, so you can actually see the satellite dish moving around looking for the signal. TV outdoors doesn't have to be expensive. The Dish Tailgater Pro is one of the more affordable portable satellite antennas in the market, saving you over $1,000 versus comparable systems. Right, and especially for an RV or a boat. If you're in the continental United States, one of the 
downsides of camping in the middle of, you know, a national park or at the Grand Canyon is you, you can't. Signal. Right. You have no signal. This way, no matter where you are, as long as you've got a clear view of the sky, you can watch TV. And who wouldn't rather watch TV than look at the Grand Canyon? It's just a big hole. Well, you combine it. It's the best of both worlds. And you don't need to be a Dish subscriber either. You don't need Dish at home to get Dish Outdoors. Call 1-833-TV-FOR-RV or visit DishOutdoors.com and use the promo code PRO50 at checkout to get $50 off your Tailgater Pro and Dish Receiver Bundle. Some restrictions may apply. same stupid shit that their parents were told by their parents. Right. I'll never forget when I was little. We lived in Lubbock, Texas. And uh, I remember being downtown in a department store. I think it was J.C. Penney's department store with my mother. And I recall seeing two water fountains. One says white, one says colored. And I'm, uh, I'm about nine, no more than 10 years old, because we moved away when I was 11. I remember asking, I don't know if it was my mom or my dad, you know, what, is, what does that mean? And the answer I got then, and from then on, from anybody from that generation was, oh, well, they're, that's, they're different than us. They can't, they can't drink the same water we do, and, and they can't sit in the same. They're, they're different, you know, they're not as good. And uh, that, that, that was never valid to me. It just, it, it, all I saw was suppression. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I knew what suppression was. So, you know, you got, hell, you got to look around to enjoy life. Well, I, I bet you have a good opportunity to do that uh, with all your traveling. Would you consider yourself a travel expert? No, not at all, because the travel that you do in this business is you ride all night in the bus, spend most of the day in a hotel room, go in the back door and play a gig and get on the bus and head to another town. Are there certain cities that you look forward to going back to? Like, what, what are your oh, top three yeah, cities? Those are all the great places to eat, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, that, because I'm sure you've you've had some good meals in your day when you're when you see a, a city on your schedule what city excites you new orleans is one of the most exciting because there's just no end to the to the to the good food but you know they're everywhere uh where, where did you eat in new orleans when you were just there do you remember any specific places uh i had nolas uh i had uh, fish on a plank it was so good 
like I like the gumbo shop there because they do a grilled boudin, butterflied boudin, but with a mustard. That I usually don't like anything but plain old yellow mustard. Mm-hmm. But they got a mustard there that I like, and grilled boudin is taste. New Orleans has the taste. Not that other places don't, but New Orleans owns the taste. Where's the best fried chicken? Where'd you ever? Where, best fried chicken you ever had? Oh God, the best chicken I ever, the fried chicken I ever had was at my mother's table. What made it so good? Well, because I couldn't wait to get it. She, my mother, was an amazing cook. Uh, she had five sisters, and uh, anytime we had family reunion, they they all wanted her to do the cooking. I mean, they would help, but it was always her fixing, her pinch of this, her this and that, and uh, her cream gravy was a beverage. <laughs> you know what I mean? That sounds like a new song title. <laughs> <laughs> What, give me a couple other cities that you look forward to visiting food wise. New York is always a good place. You can you 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 can go real wrong or you can go way right with New York or and all in between. Mm-hmm. And the best pizza in the world is in New York. Oh. Uh, I got to take issue with you there, my friend. I'm from Chicago. You don't like Chicago pizza? I love Chicago pizza, but something about New York pizza stinks. That some cheese they use there stinks so bad and tastes so damn good. (laughs) I'm sure they got it in Chicago too. I'm not going to run Chicago down. I just don't get to Chicago as my. I don't. I don't know anything about Chicago. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't work there that much. I never really spend any time there. Uh, but if I come to town, I'll get you to bring me to the best. All right. All right. Now, you're from Texas, so barbecue yeah. is a religion down there. It is. What's your favorite barbecue joint? It's a little town about 40 miles east of Austin. Mm-hmm. And the name of it is Scotty's. Scotty's has been in business over 100 years. Their fire has been burning over 100 years. Nonstop? Nonstop. Wow. The fire they cook on. And uh, when the old man died, he left the building to his daughter and the business to his son. Brilliant. Well, that was fine up until about six years ago, and they had some kind of falling out. And uh, the daughter wanted the building back. She wanted to start her own barbecue place and name it for their dad. I think it's Scotty's. I can't tell. I can't remember anymore. Anyway, he built a place about five miles away. And there was a big deal in the Austin paper about them taking coals from that fire and starting the fire in the new place, which is kind of cool. It's like the Olympic torch. Yeah, exactly. All over that area of central Texas, there's a lot of Germans back in the day uh, settled in that area. Mm -hmm. So you've got all kind of uh, meats. You go to those little towns, and, man, you can get a bag full of pig ears if you want them. They fix and prepare every bit of the animal. I've got a picture I took of a menu that is just unbelievable. You'd think that Vikings were eating there or something. (laughs) More meat for the men. <laughs> Beer for my horses. They've got uh, the best jerky in the world comes mm. from around there. And then there's the burger places. There's a place in Tyler, Texas called uh, Juicy's. Makes the best burger and the best chicken fried steak next to my mama's. Want to eat like Delbert? 
When in New Orleans, try fish on plank or head down to the gumbo shop for their unique dish, grilled boudin with mustard dip. You may also want to try their award-winning gumbo. It is called the gumbo shop after all. When in Texas, do like the Texans do. Shop around to find the best jerky. Head to Scotty's Barbecue for non-stop barbecue deliciousness. Don't forget Juicy's for the best burger in Texas. After Delbert's Mama, of course. You've been on the road for 50-plus years. Do you have any rules of the road? Yeah, nobody can be an asshole. <laughs> That's the only one you need, I bet, huh? Well, and like it's pretty much like Willie's deal. If you're wired, you're fired. So I got a bunch of seasoned old, older men who are self-made men. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody does that that kind of stuff, you know. I learned how to do it and how to act around it, but I don't do that, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, I wore a lot of shit out on doing drugs. Yeah. Unfortunately, I did. And I'm not alone. Right. As I said a while ago, I lived through it, and I'm relatively healthy as far as I know. What's the most surprising thing? that you've learned about people on the road, like a, a personal opinion that you may have had 30, 40 years ago that now has changed? How has travel changed you? Oh, wow. I'm not sure how to answer that. Um, you've got to pay attention when you travel. Mm -hmm. If you're lounging around under the old oak tree, you don't have to pay attention. But on the road, you have to pay attention. You know, we're hurling down a road at 60, 70 miles an hour in a big steel tube. Uh, there's a lot of times I wake up in the middle of the night on the bus to go take a pee, and my mind can't help but think, that son of a bitch has been sitting up there driving for 10 hours while I've been laying back here sleeping. Mm -hmm. He's my hero. <laughs> Bus drivers are space captains. If you don't have a good bus driver, I had a bus driver uh, once that we had a broken fuel line. Well, he stopped it at uh, one of those uh, hardware stores, and we had gas just poured out, diesel fuel just poured out. When well, we got a knob and stuck it in there and stopped losing fuel, he went and bought some copper tubing and ran the wire all the way from the engine outside the bus to the fuel tank. Oh, man. Got us home. Wow. And I've got some of the best pictures of old guys who work on buses. I've got like two, two guys that are really wide, got their heads stuck down in the ass end of a bus, and all you can see is, is their ass and their feet, and uh, both of them's got about four to five inches of crack hanging out. <laughs> You know, a beautiful picture. And one of the guys that's playing with me has stuck his face over in there with this grin with a thumbs up. <laughs> so I've got a I've got a great shitload of pictures I'm I'm all put out someday or somebody will. People that don't travel, I think, miss out on all these little things. Like you said, you got to be paying attention. I think that musicians and comedians, people that travel for a living, you have a different take on what's happening in our country because you run into people of all types. So I got to ask you, and we talked about this a little earlier, in America right now, there's a huge split. You know, there's a lot of strife and a lot of greed and avarice and everything. Who's going to win? The things that are pulling us apart or the people that are trying to draw us back together? Who cares? Bullshit. You care. Well, um, I do care, but, but, but why? There's nothing, you can, I, there's nothing I can do about it personally. I, wrong. You're doing it. 
Don't you think? Well, I mean, other than what I'm doing, there's nothing, there's nothing I can do but what I'm doing. So I'm not going to think about that shit. I'm going to think about, you know, you get one life, and I'm going to make mine as, as joyful as I can. I'm not going to pay any attention to people who make me feel hate for them because I don't like to feel hatred for anybody. But some people around these days insist that I feel hatred for them. And that's a confusing place to be because the only thing after hatred is violence. Right. And uh, I hate that somebody has the ability over my feelings that they can make me feel hatred. Well, I think your music cuts strongly against that, especially your, you've been doing the Sandy Beaches tour for 25 years. You get a bunch of musicians and a bunch of fans and you stick them on a boat in the middle of the ocean. There ain't no room for hate. Right? No, there's not. There's no room for assholes. There's no room for hatred. There's there's no room for... Well, the people themselves won't let anything like that happen. How are those shows different than a regular show? It's a family reunion with a family you like. <laughs> there's a new guy that's going on the tour in January. It's the Sandy Beaches Tour 25. Jason. People may not know him, but he is a genius. Joe, Joe Sears and him do these yeah. greater tuna shows. Are they doing tuna on the boat? Well, no. Uh, he's the only one left, I think. But he was on last year, and he did a like a talk show thing about Lubbock, Texas. And, uh-huh. and uh, he's very versed on all of the Lubbock uh, hoo-ha, <laughs> the Lubbock lights. Uh, you know what the Lubbock lights are? No, but I've no. witnessed the Marfa lights. Are they similar? Well, no. Well, you need to you need to Google the Lubbock lights. What are they? You tell me. They flew over, and uh, me and my brother watched them in a V formation, V shaped aircraft of some kind. Many of them. Hmm. We, I, I was with my brother. We were sitting outside the drive-in theater, waiting on the box office open at dusk. You know when they start letting people in. And uh, we were sitting out there waiting, and I was, we were in a pickup truck, and I was 11 years old, or 50, I believe, so I was 10 years old. And I was in the back of that truck, and these uh, spacecraft flew over. And, uh, well, you know, we look up love lights. Okay. I saw them. If you could talk to an alien, what's the one question you'd ask them? Uh, hey, dude, what's up? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What would you ask? Uh, you know what? I'd say take me with you. I want to see where you're from. <laughs> well, you know, that's that would be pretty much given. But, but hey, dude, how you doing? It's just an intro. Take me with you. <laughs> Comes next. That'd be one hell of an album, I imagine. Well, I don't know. It depends on how uh, he approached me in the first place. Uh-huh. If he approached me, looking like he wanted to eat me, well, uh, I'd probably react in a different way. Delbert McClendon, you are American treasure. I appreciate you spending time with us. Your uh, 19th record, Pick of the Litter, is doing great. Your live shows are fantastic. It was really great talking to you and learning a little bit about what you've learned about America and our people in your uh, fantastic career. Keep it going strong, my friend. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Delbert. Safe travels. Bye bye. One of my absolute musical heroes. And like we said at the top of the show, there's only two kinds of people in the world people that love Delbert McClinton and people that ain't heard him yet. That's You've right. heard him. Yes. And you didn't know who the hell he was the first time I took you to see him. And what did you think, honestly? Amazing. Amazing. I was dancing. I was 
yeah, I was cheering, I was dancing, and there's there's something about Delbert that just makes you want to do that. You can't just sit still. Well, he's a sweet, smart, nice man, and he's able, right, and he's able to write songs that really stick with you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, lyrically, hook wise, and content wise, he's just a he's an American treasure, and uh, it was uh, really wonderful and very gratifying and fun for me to be able to talk with him for a while. And hopefully, you can go out and see him on your, for your very own self. You can either see him on dry land, or you could see him on the sandy beaches this uh, January. He's coming up with his twenty fifth anniversary tour. All that information is available at delbertmcclinton.com. You can find us at aforkontheroad.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Mark DiCarlo TV and on Twitter at Mark DiCarlo. And you can always find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. So wherever you are in the world, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Mark DiCarlo. And I'm Yenny Alvarez. And we'll see and we will see you at a fork on the road. Sponsoring today's episode. Thanks, Dish. You, 
You've probably heard by now that the Dish Tailgater Pro portable satellite antenna is one of my favorite pieces of gear. To enjoy the joy of HDTV outdoors yourself and get $50 off your very own Tailgater Pro bundle, it's the one with the clear dome that you can see finding the skies, call 1-833-TV-4RV or visit dishoutdoors.com and use promo code PRO50 at checkout. Some restrictions may apply. But very few.